Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. What's going on, Luca Nation? This is uh, this is gonna be a fun episode. We have some really good questions on deck, uh, and guys, I mean, you guys have spoken. This is our most popular episode dating back to when we first started. I think if you know, if you look at our stats and Cage looks at them on a just about daily basis, hourly, hourly basis. <laughs> Top listen to episodes. I mean, we've had Gary V on, we've had Patrick Bet David on, Lefko, Matt Turner now. It's the Coffee with Cage episode. It's the Ask Cage episode. So, and I mean that that's incredible. That shows how much our Luca Nation values these these episodes, how much they love this episode, uh, how much they love you, Cage. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be rocking with these on a Saturday. People love the YouTube live. Some people ask questions right here on the live. We also have about seven to eight questions uh, prepared with a few more coming in. Uh, we're going to try to keep this to 30 minutes. You know, we're going to tax our production team. Let's see how we make it like Instagram live at the same time as YouTube live. And we live everywhere. But before you get into that craziness, because I don't know, I just say these things don't know they're easy. The reason why this is so successful and I think we're doing a better job of it now. You're putting the questions up on the bottom and, and calling people out. It's because this is direct communication with Luca Nation. Like I, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with we're we're getting great questions. We're getting a finger on the pulse, really, of what's going on in the hobby, straight from the people who are collecting, straight from the people who have these questions. So you know, it's great to hear you know from a guest. It's great to hear from you know somebody with an interview or just us talk about what we think about the hobby. But I think what makes this thing work is we're letting people get their, you know, get their say, you know, ask their questions. And, you know, I don't know if I'm right, if I'm wrong, you know, I'll tell you what my opinion is, you know, and try to answer your questions. But, you know, I will tell you, not only is it the, you know, most listened to stuff, but it's clearly my favorite episode of the week. I love getting questions from folks. I love people doing this and guys, just a little, you know, behind the scenes fun. I do what I can to stay away from social media for like the 12 hours before this, it's very hard for me because I want to answer DMs and I want to do that stuff. But we really do, you know, or at least I, I try to pride myself um, on on trying to answer these cold, you know, not having advanced research on them. You and, should you know, like, on. Give you my, yeah, you know, so but just like I really want to be able to like, hey, all right, top of my head, you know. Um, and if it's something we want to look up, I'll come up and give you a more detailed answer later. But, you know, I, I try not to cheat. I try not to like, you know, study. That way you're getting a real like off the cuff what the thought is. So. You know, thank you for all of your support. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for all that fun stuff. We, you know, this is easily my favorite episode of the week. Shoot. Another like kind of behind the scenes. So yesterday, Cage did Cage did three episodes yesterday. So from Lucas Tiger's Braun podcast, guys, tomorrow, you're going to love tomorrow's episode. It's uh, Mike Kafka. He's the quarterback coach from the Kansas City Chiefs. He works with Mahomes. He was drafted by my, by my beloved Eagles and my beloved Andy Reid. So that's tomorrow's episode. You're going to want to listen to that one. It's super fun. And the feedback we've got from our production team was, this guy's a true collector. He's a true collector. He knows his Pokemon. By the way, why didn't you, why, why didn't you come to my rescue when I was asking about Genghis Khan? See this? This is candy my kids gave me. Gush. It's like a sort of candy. Sure. So why didn't I come to your rescue about Genghis Khan? Um, you should that's apparently a Pokemon card. I explain it. So you'll see, I, I did, and I said, hey, everybody says it differently, and how, you know, Ian pronounces it Kardashian, and everybody says it, so, so you know, it's okay, Genghis Khan, he was not talking about, like, the, the Mongolian leader, you know, the guy from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, just like, but here's the thing, man, you gotta roll with your stuff, right, and, you know, own that stuff, if you happen to say Barka, you know, then we make a video of it, and you have a Pokemon Genghis Khan, and I hope Gavin and Preston are listening to this, and when they hear the episode, they're gonna put a nice video clip with Genghis Khan on a Pokemon card, running around and doing a whole deal for you. So it'll be fun because all's fair in Love War and Lucas Tigers and Bronze. All right, fine, fair enough. Second, second item on the agenda. <laughs> so it makes you you, man. I love it. I love Genghis. Well, I love the story of Genghis Khan. Might be a better way to word that. And Genghis Khan loved Twinkies. Fascinating. Do you know that? You know Genghis Khan loves Twinkies. Um. 
Tell me why. That's <laughs> from the movie. It was Genghis okay. Khan. He loves the sporting goods store. And he Second loves thing is, guys, store. cardboard relevant. I mean, Cage is ten, 10 days in a row, and there's no stopping him. And most of these topics are kind of like what we would, you know, have dialogue with you guys behind the scenes on the Instagram chats. You know, we kind of want to put them more out in the open, you know, share the learnings. Because, you know, you know, in class when you didn't want to raise your question, raise your hand and ask a question, uh, there are no stupid questions. And more than likely, if you have a question, if you have a statement, if you're thinking about something in the hobby, more than likely others are too. And that's kind of the, the vision for Cardboard Relevant. So we love those. The feedback is amazing. So we're going to keep doing those. Lastly, The Come Up. It's a new show we're starting. And it's going to be like a 15, 20-minute episode where Cage and I, mostly Cage, uh, interviews and meets people who, you know, are us seven, eight months ago. Yep. Perfect. Have the talent, have the personality, but they're coming up. They're just starting. And we, we feel that a lot of people have helped us along the way. And we also want to extend that, that hand and help others. So that's the vision we'll be uh, producing that show with. And you guys can help us with that too. If you happen to, you know, stumble upon a content creator, whether it's a cool Instagram page, whether it's a breaker who doesn't have a huge following, but you enjoy watching them break, you know, they're fun, they got a personality, um, you know, or whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, you know, an Instagram page, um, you know, something content, hobby related, sport related, you name it. And you're like, wow, you know, these guys should really have a bigger following. You know, people should really be paying attention to these guys. I, you know, I really like them. Message us, let us know. And maybe we'll reach out to them and see if they want to come on the come up. And maybe we'll get them a little bit more, more wider exposure. It's one of those things Andrew and I talked about. You know, nobody really gave us a leg up. Um, it's one of the it's one of the fun parts about you know what we're doing here. We basically just built this with you. You know, it's me, Andrew, Gavin, Preston, our production team, Sam. You know, who's joined us, Demo. We got the you know the whole crew and you, Luca Nation. So you know, it's it's as organic as it comes. If you guys want us to you know shine a spotlight on somebody else who's coming up, that's what that show is about. So. Lastly, guys, we're always looking for partnerships, always looking for opportunities to add more value to you guys. Uh, but just keep in mind, we don't just bring on partners for partners' sake. You know, we, we're growing. What, what we're here to do is bring you guys value, not just to, you know, line our pockets with any partner that comes our way and wants to throw, you know, a few thousand bucks at us for an episode. Because as much as short term, that's fun. We also want to make sure that we preserve our brand and we're building for the long term. So keep that in mind, guys. If there's any partners that you think that would be interesting for us to, to bring on, let us know. But we're growing and we, we want you to know that we have your best interest in mind as we are bringing on these partners. Cage. Oh, Shoot. man. Oh, man. I had a question. Uh, all right, fine. <laughs> fine. I'll start off with something as polarizing as it gets. This just came through a second ago. Oof. Um, I, you know, he's almost Teflon now. I mean, I have taken my shots at LeBron. Um, you know, I think anything that happens with LeBron that causes a momentary or a temporary decrease in the value of his stuff is just a buying opportunity. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, his legacy is set over time as you know, one of, what do you want to call him? One of the three best players of all time. If you're a Kobe fan, I don't want to upset Kobe people. You know, one of the three best players in the last, you know, 40 years. You know, there are people who think Kareem belongs in there, Wilt and Bill Russell and the whole deal. But, you know, he's in that GOAT conversation with 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 Michael Jordan, right? I mean, that's, that's so I, I don't think it's going to affect his card market long term at all. I don't think many things can. Um, you know, I, I expect that the, um, the Space Jam movie is going to be garbage. And that's not going to, you know, really impact his card values. Um, I expect that um, they're probably not going to win, you know, this year. Um, really? Because, yeah, because I mean, you got to have some cohesion, right? I know they're returning champs, but I mean, he hasn't played. He hasn't played in a long time. It's tough to come back and just, you know, hit on all cylinders and go right into the playoffs and, and play at the top of your game. You know, you got to get into that that basketball shape. Um, you know, and I know LeBron's in great shape, and obviously, if anybody could do it, it'll be him. But you know, that's a that's a tall order. Um, but I don't even think I don't even think you know an early playoff exit is going to matter. Um, you know anything that happens now that you know decreases the price a little bit, I think becomes a buying opportunity for LeBron's cards. He's about as he's about as safe as you can get. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my opinion. <laughs> Drake's PC as do auction houses have the buyers or sellers' best interests in mind. If it's a seller, why would the list? Why would they list several of the same cards at the same time? 
and how can you protect against this cage? It's a great question. Um, it really does depend on the auction house, right? So does the auction have the, the buyer or seller's best interest in mind? I would say that the auction house has the seller's best interest in mind, but, but, but tied with their own interests as well. And remember, these auction houses, they're not pro bono. You know, not doing this for free. They're taking, you know, they're taking a percentage on this. And obviously, there has to be a balance, right? They have to take care of buyers. They have to bring in a good, you know, um, you know, a good product. And they have to build a platform that's not going to crash for their buyers, right? They have to, you know, the tech has to be there. They have to provide, you know, safeguards this way. You know, there's no messing around with shield bidding, manipulation on it and stuff like that. So obviously, they are protecting the buyer. The question, though, is it's, it's a great one, right? And we're seeing it now over the last couple of months more than ever before because the prices have gotten so crazy. And we talked about this. You know, we talked about this. Golden should not have multiple Michael Jordan, PSA 10 rookie cards in every auction. They shouldn't have a LeBron James exquisite, you know, rookie patch auto in every auction. I mean, there's just not a lot of those. But when they become... You know, that, that card's a, a million-dollar card. It's over a million bucks, and the auction is ending tonight. Um, you know, when, when, when they go for that much money, supply comes out. And I will tell you, um, Golden, just a little behind-the-scenes fun, it's not just them, but Golden, they had multiple PSA 8 Mickey Mantle uh, 52 tops, and they actually had to divvy them up over the course of several auctions to the detriment of some sellers, Drake. So to your point, right? So, you know, they had to basically sell one person's card in, in, in February, one person's card in, in March. And the one who's, you know, sold in March got less money for it. Um, and the reason is just, you know, that's the timing of the market. The market was not as high in March as it was in, in February's auctions. Um, so I'm sure that seller isn't thrilled, you know, but, that's the balance you get, right? So, Drake, I mean, think about it, right? So you're saying um, listing the cards at the same time is not a good thing. And normally I would say that's probably right because you, know, you, kill, you kill stuff. But put yourself in the shoes of the person who owned the Mantle 52 Tops PSA 8 that sold in March. Maybe they would have been better off if two of them sold in February. They might have actually, even though they would have been competing against each other, the market was significantly higher at that time. So I think it all kind of balances itself out. The auction houses are in a spot that they've never been in before just because there's so much activity, right? And there's so much craziness in prices, so many, you know, supply, demand, you name it. Um, but I will tell you, because I speak to several of the auction houses, you know, they do try to take care of their sellers. They do try to, you know, um, you know, offer, by the way, a little inside, inside baseball here. If you have a good enough card, that 20% buyer's premium that the auction house gets, you do not have to get all of that. That's something you can negotiate. Um, and they will take care of you, obviously, if you're bringing what you'd call like a premier item to an auction. Um, so, you know, they have to, I guess they have to take care of both sides. But I hope that answers the question. Kellen Roberts asks, I'm going to a card show tomorrow. Any suggestions for some stuff to be on the lookout in, prepara in preparation for NBA playoffs? Little Kellen keep dizzle. Um, so let's see. Um, Good memory, Cage. So um, for the NBA playoffs for our card show tomorrow. So you're looking for raw cards. And what I would say is take a look at the standings and look which teams have a shot at playoffs who have a rookie in them um, in basketball, obviously, this year, right? Somebody who, you know, might fly under the radar, somebody who might show up, right? Um, you know, if you're a Boston believer, you know, maybe you can pick up a stack of, of Prism Peyton Pritchard rookie cards. You know what I mean? If that's your guy, maybe he has a game where he just, I mean, maybe buy him for a buck or $2 in a stack. Maybe somebody cracks some Prism or you're, you're walking on the show and that's your guy. I'm just giving you, you know, one example, right? Um, and maybe he, he, maybe he has some minutes because somebody gets hurt or, you know, they're ahead of one game and he, and he shows up and has a, you know, a 20 point game in the playoffs. Well, that night, you're going to be able to sell those cards for $10 and you paid a dollar for them. That's just one example. That's like real buy low. That's a card show raw. You know, you could walk around and for very little money, you know, gamble. If, if that's your team, if that's your guy, um, you know, not everybody can go around and buy Lamelo cards, you know, just in case they make the playoffs, but there's a ton of other, you know, rookies in this year's, you know, prism class that people are not buying right now. Um, it's one of those weird things. If you look on eBay, um, the prism rookies for basketball, people are breaking them and, you have like huge, it's bigger than any year that I remember, huge disparity between those top line rookies that LaMelo, Halliburton, Edwards, even Wiseman, you know, before he got hurt. And then it's basically everybody else. 
basically everybody else. I mean, you know, if you're a believer in the Knicks and you think that Emmanuel quickly shows up in the playoffs, you can get his stuff pretty cheap. If you think Obi Toppin, you know, plays a role in the playoffs, you can get his stuff pretty cheap. Um, so that's what I'd be looking for, a playoff team, you know, who has a rookie and that you can walk around that show, take a look at the cards. Um, I guess the other thing, I mean, you know, this is not just NBA playoffs. This is just for everything. The one thing you can do at a show that you can't do anywhere else is, you know, you, you got somebody who broke wax and they have the cards there. Pick them up. Take a look at them. You know, put them in your hands. Look at the corners. Look at the centering, right? And, and, and that's a huge advantage to in-person shows, right? You're able to, you know, you're able to do what you can't do on eBay. You know, nobody's got the, the, ca- the camera at an angle. So you can't see that's a little off-centered, you know, you don't have like blurry pictures or, you know, a colored background that matches the border of the card. Pick up the card, you hold the card and you're, you know, you're able to pick the one that you think is the best. Got So would you be looking at, you know, like 50 to $100 cards that are ungraded that you can pick up and then send to PSA when PSA reopens? Would you be looking at veterans? Would you know uh, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, any interest there? Like, Let's go a little deeper because I think this will help a lot of people. There's so many different ways to kind of skin uh, to take this, right? So yeah, for for sure, you could get some really, really, really nice recently broken prism cards, whether that's rookies like Lamelo, Edwards, Halliburton, or you could get you know veterans from this year. So you could get raw. But are you also looking at guys that you know kind of have been out of sight, out of mind, like? Kawhi, for example, right? You could probably we give Kawhi as a pick, right? But not not to buy and then grade them, right? So this is NBA playoff stuff, right? So right. so yeah, I mean, anybody you think has a shot, um, you know, playoff wise, who is forgotten, you know, and you could definitely do that, right? I mean, and I got to tell you, I wouldn't be going to the show looking for guys for NBA playoffs right now, Kellen, because I think that's what everybody's doing. You know what I'd be going to the show for? I'm going to the show, finding a guy who's got the messy table, doesn't have a lot of people buy it, but happens to have like a Clay Thompson card. You know what hmm. I mean? And he's got to make his table money back. And I can get that card and stash it away before next season starts and sell it at a huge premium to what I'm paying for it now. That's not a quick, you know, NBA playoff flip. But those are the kind of things I'd be looking for. You know what I mean? Uh, or football I'd be looking for in a show now. Because everybody else is going to be looking for NBA playoff stuff. But if we're looking specifically NBA playoffs, you're right. It's, it's, it's rookies who might have a, a chance to shine or those veterans. Listen, Giannis cards. You know, if you find a nice Giannis card in the show, you might be able to get it. Nobody's looking for him. But I think he takes the nets out. I really do. I really do. It's funny. Like, everyone's talking about Sixers, Nets. So what's going on with the Celtics? Wow, the Heat added Oladipo. Bucks have been out of sight, out of mind. And what's changed? That team's played well. I mean, have they played as well as they did in the previous two years? Well, who who knows? You know, maybe they're saving their energy. They're in, in the third seed in the NBA. I, I don't blame you for looking at Giannis because – I mean, he's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time MVP. Uh, you know what the Bucks remind me of this year? They remind me of every single time I brought up the Lakers to you last year, and you're like, they're running at seventy percent efficiency, so that they could turn it on in the playoffs, and they're gonna just they just eliminate that Bucks. That's what I think of the Bucks. I think the Bucks are like what, exactly what the Lakers are doing last year because they know they're that good. You know, like they know they're gonna be there at the end, so they don't have to win every game. They don't have to like you know go go all out in every single game because they know they're gonna be there. We've talked about this a little bit with Conrad on scouts. Um, and I'm, I'm a, kind of a fan of, of Coach Bud. But have you watched the, the Bucks play offense? And have you watched the Warriors play offense? Yes. Okay, the Warriors maybe should are the pinnacle of how you run an offense. Yeah, the team offense. Not through dribble handoffs. They, they but, have no plays. They have no creativity. It's just dribble handoffs. And Giannis drives. And in the playoffs, that's really easy to stop. That's my only concern with the Bucks. Yeah, well, listen. The Nets are still going to put up their 120, even if they have two of the three guys. And I'm curious if the Bucks. it's going to depend on the Bucks' offense. It's that simple. If they could put up 120, 115, yeah, I think they could make it out. If they get into their breaking shots, dribble handoffs, Giannis post, uh, you know, trying to put up threes, it's going to be tough. So I just think that the Bucks win a championship when Giannis says, you know, I'm flipping that switch, I'm Lincoln Hawk. I'm turning the hat around and I turn into the truck. I turn into this machine. I turn into this truck behind me. Boom. When he decides no one's going to stop me, when he says this is the year I'm going to do it, I'm going to run over people, like that's the year they win the championship. And I know it's easier said than done, but come on, who is it who's stopping him in the East right now? Well, <laughs> yeah, he's got – you know I mean, how basically we talk about five tool players? Mm-hmm. 
We also need to talk about five-tool offensive players in the NBA, right? So, like, Kyrie. Kyrie could go left. He could go right. He could finish at the rim. He could stop midway through the lane and do a fadeaway. He could he could beat you and shoot a three. Yep. Kyrie's a five-tool offensive player. Curry's a five-tool offensive player. Dame is a five Giannis is very – he's maybe got one or two tools. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he's easy to stop when it comes to the playoffs. So it's, it sounds all well and good. Like, hey, I just want – I'm going to put on the Superman and I'm going to do my thing. But I said you just dump it to him inside. He doesn't have to have the handle. He doesn't have to go left. He doesn't have to go right. You switch it up and you go almost old school basketball. And you give it to him on the block. You give it to him on pick and roll. Have every single time. Every single time. I, I pick and roll every single time. Let him double team him and let him get fouled. Like, make it ugly. I don't think they have to score 115. I think they should score 85 because the game's going to be so slow. You just it, go in, go out, go in, go out, and let that's, them foul him. I'm telling you, like Shaq. What does that say? Oh, All right, it was an old question. Will Jeter, A-Rod, SP foil increase as modern baseball will see its start of season dip? So I'm going to throw one out there, right? Um, I can't see Jeter foil increase because it's absurd what has happened with those. And I'm not surprised, right? Because that is like a modern iconic card, right? So if people are paying that kind of money for Jordan rookie, let's say, you know, Jeter is that nineties guy, right? Jeter is the guy from the nineties, Yankees championships, you know, all that, all that craziness. And you have the benefit of, even though he had multiple rookie cards in 93, that is the card. And it has a lot going for it because I don't remember exactly. I think there was like 23 of them in PSA 10, like 26. Like there's some crazy limited number because of the foil. You know, that's one of the cards I talk about. I've owned several of them and tried to like crack and cross when I first got back into this. I wish I would have just kept them all in my BGS nines and SGC 98 holders because they'd all be worth so much now. Instead, I got a whole bunch of trimmed baloney that was in old holders, right? So, um, you know. So it's so, so a load of fun, right? So that card's already full. I mean, that's like a half million dollar, $600,000 card in the last couple of six, six, Yeah, the Jeter card, the Jeter PSA 10. The PSA 10 is a $600,000 card? Yep. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. The, take a look because, you, you know, you can look at it. I'm pretty sure PWCC had one sell on their marketplace for like $600,000. And I think one sold recently, maybe the last golden auction or one of the, one of the last auctions. It's over over half a million dollars. So it, you know, it's it's done the the Jordan in February thing. Now we're really not going to talk about this. We're really not going to talk about how Andrew gave this play before the run up. The Jeter SP, you did. The ten has gone up. So I don't know. The nine is definitely up to nine's like twenty thirty thousand dollars now, definitely. Um, and maybe that's got room because it, but there's a lot of nines, a lot of eights, there's a lot of BGSs, a lot of BGS nine fives. There's just not a lot of tens. The A rod, it really does depend on where you sit with A rod. I think that that card now. It's always been like the the redheaded stepchild, you know, the you know the younger sibling to that Jeter card. Um, it also has a a really low pop in PSA ten. It's not as low as Jeter. I think it might be twice as many as Jeter. Like Jeter's in the twenties. I think the A round might be fifties, sixties. It's definitely under a hundred. Um, it's kind of like the same pop as um, like a Jerry Rice, you know, eighty six Fleer. Like it's that type of card, right? Where there's plenty of them, but just not a lot of them in PSA ten. Um, and Cage, yeah. Cage, uh, a, a PSA nine is 20 K and I gave it 20 or more, more nine, it was like a few thousand bucks. The BGS nines, you can still get eight and a half. So you can still get for a couple thousand dollars, but it's definitely gone up five, six X since you, since you gave that play, but it's, it's more than 20 that now. I think it's, I think there's one in the golden auction tonight, but take a look at, uh, I'm 99.9% I'm sure that the last two Jeter tens have sold for, you know, half a million plus. I'm pretty sure six, maybe like six ninety, like some crazy number um, on the PWCC, um, you know, marketplace that the Jeter sold for. So, so that's not really going to increase much from there. The A Rod, though, he's not held in the same regard as Jeter, right? So, and that's part of the part of the problem. Um, and I think it's wrong, right? So, so, so he had great numbers. He played great baseball. He won a championship. He won MVPs. He did not win all of the championships that Jeter did. He kind of came and joined the Yankees. Um, you know, and 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 won with them. You know, they would not have won that year. Not it would not for him. Like he didn't really have great playoff success, but that year he basically, you know, he 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 carried them that year. Um, but um, the difference with A Rod is all the off all the off field stuff. You know, all the off the field. You know, the steroid implications. You know, the all that garbage, all the crap that was there. You know, that does hurt people's legacies. Although I think with time that's changing. You see Clemens and and McGuire. You know, their cards are starting to really go up also. Um, and 
I think it's funny because like if I had all the money in the world, if I got any rich people listening to this, there's one on eBay right now. Uh, I think the Slavic uh, collection, you know, big collector. I think it's 60,000, maybe 60,000 all best offer. You know, I wouldn't pay 60 for it right now, but even at 60, I think you may look back on this episode in a year when that card is six figures does like what a rice and Montana and those guys did like a quick, you know, triple or quadruple. And you're like, wow, that card was sitting on eBay for the longest time. Cause you might not see another one after that one sells, you might not see another one for, you know, for months. Um, and when those things don't get, do get gobbled up, you know, they, um, you know, they stay in those collections, but here's the, I haven't released today's cardboard relevant, but it's perfect because here's the deal. Those cards are a perfect example of don't chase in lower condition, right? So yes, they're they're worth more than a few thousand dollars in PSA 9, clearly now. But those cards, the reason why they have that huge parabolic run-up um, on 10 is because the 10 pop is so low. They're foil. They're impossible to get tens on because they chip the foil on them chips. They're you know they're they're thirty year old cards now. Um, you know you're probably not going to find many tens. Even opening boxes of those now, the foil is going to come out. They're off center. They weren't cut right. Um, it's very hard to get tens. It would take a lot for PSA to give out a ten on any card like that because they know that they're adding six hundred thousand to to the market cap. Say what yeah, you want. but it it happens. I mean, we have one of our listeners, Nick Herrera. Uh, sent in a Nolan Ryan uh, 68 tops recently, and he got back a nine from PSA. And that card is a huge card, a huge card, almost, you know, I mean, between fifty dollars and $100,000 and a nine, something like that. Um, and, you know, he was thrilled to get that back. <laughs> Congrats, Nick. Great card. I want it. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that might be going to Golden at some point soon. But, um, you know, they are doing it if the card warrants it. Um but yeah, so I guess the point on that one is don't go rushing out to buy an A-Rod in like PSA 7, you know, or a Jeter in PSA 7, just because there's a lot of those. Yo, I made it to a live. What's up? What's up? What's up, Anthony? How you doing? You know, you should now follow it up with a question. Uh, decide <laughs> what's up and we'll answer it for you. But, I got a question uh, for you, brother. Um, this is a good one. It's a really good one. So we guys, we just had Nat Turner on from PSA and sports card vault asks, do you think PSA now Turner will ever open a submission center in China now that digital tech is used? Could anything make the hobby explode more than the Asian market? Kind of a two-parter. So, I mean, the Asian market is sort of already in it, right? Um, you know, I would imagine that uh, a lot of the high-end cards that we chase and we see in auctions, PMGs, you know, the 90s Jordan inserts, you know, the, the high-end stuff, the LeBron exquisite stuff, the Kobe, you know, on-card, flawless autos and whatnot. I would imagine a bunch of those are already in, in Asia anyway, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or in Asian collections through, you know, some U.S. marketing or keeping them in a vault or whatever it may be. Um, you know, that said, obviously, anything that makes it easier for that money to come into the market, it's clearly a good thing. Do I think they open a submission center in China? Sure. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't. It's the world's you know largest population, um, and I know that they collect. I know they collect cards, um, and it, it definitely is a great idea. If I were them, I'd be doing it. Um, the digital tech stuff now that digital tech is being used, I do have a comment on that, and you know, right. it just shows you, you know how how things get better, right? And I don't. I'm I'm not in PSA. I'm not in their boardroom, but you know. There are grading companies kind of coming out, right? You know, great new grading companies. There was a new one that came out like last month, right? And then three months ago, hybrid grading came out and they were all, you know, we're, we're using computers, we're using digital tech, we're using, um, you know, we're using scanners, we're doing that stuff. And to think that that wasn't something that PSA took into consideration with a, um, you know, with their acquisition, uh, it would be naive. And that's Absolutely. a good thing. You know, that's a, that's a good thing because what it shows you is. That's exactly. Literally what does. Exactly. Right. So it's it's one of those things where like obviously hybrid was onto something, you know, mm -hmm. and and the old dinosaur has to change, or they will be passed over. It's why you see every car manufacturer now making and pushing electric vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Because a Tesla comes out and says, "We don't have to do this the way you've been doing it as dinosaurs for as long as you have." And now everybody's copying them. Everybody's and using they win market share. So like we've got the privilege to speak with Tyler, the CEO of Hybrid. First, we had him on twice on our show. And he, you know, if anything, and what's cool is he listens to our show. We found out, which is incredible. 
Uh, so if you're listening, Tyler, let's say everything today ended with hybrid. You've already shaken up the hobby for the better, which is kind of cool, right? Like this guy, he came in, you know, we always think of the, the USA in two coasts. Well, this guy set up shop in Tennessee. He's doing things his way. He's a competitor. He's a winner. Uh, and he, he shook up the hobby with computer grading uh, or computer vision technology, you know, kind of getting you to first base. So it, it's really fascinating. Really quick on this, a PSA already has a submission center in Japan. Nice. Uh, so something to keep in mind. Uh, so, Japan and China are two different places, right? Yeah, I do understand okay. that. And Genghis Khan is not from either one of them. He's from Mongolia. Okay, good. And his true benefit, uh, why he was able to capture so much land, is they were the first ones to ride horses. Right. So across that step, it was called like the step, that little kind of in between Europe and Asia. There's kind of nothing there. And well, the you know what's there? The shitty wall. The shitty wall is there. The Mongolians, they couldn't get past the shitty wall. Um, we're talking about two different Dude, topics. Do you ever watch South Park? Ever? I don't. I like history. I like that. I was trying to uh, educate her. <laughs> Anthony took your advice and he asked the question. Anthony, we love it. I've decided to try and complete a prism rainbow of Jalen Hurts. How do you suggest I go about attacking that list and checking them off the list? Preferably something bankroll friendly. Funny, Conrad actually did a I was going to say that. Yeah, just going to say that. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. So point them to that. And so you guys, you have Conrad, Conrad uh, you know, Luca Nation Conrad. He did a, a Thanos video it was awesome you know it's like oh, i got the last stone i got one more to go and it's funny because the point behind that video is exactly what i say to you bankroll friendly means maybe try to get the rainbow without those like one-on-ones especially with prism now because what are there 11 one-on-ones you know what, what do you got in there like mosaic gold black gold vinyl you know um bronze testicle whatever the heck you know different version of prisms there are out there now that are one-on-ones um you know maybe stop at like you know the blue even the ices, right? What do you got? Purple ice, blue ice, neon ice, uh, orange and purple polka dot ice. There's pulsars. A rainbow now ain't bankrupt anybody. So maybe you just do the ones that are, you know, numbered without pulsars and discos and priscos and hollows and whatever it is. You know, maybe do just do like a rainbow of like, you know, a silver, a red, a blue, you know, kind of stop there. <laughs> you know, maybe an orange guy. So try to keep this to 30 minutes. We can't, guys, you guys asked us so many questions. We love ah, it. Keep it going. We, we got to keep going. So this is kind of a same question, similar question, two different uh, people asking. So I'm going to read both and maybe you could kind of intertwine the answers here. Okay. So Mike Stapleton from our live asks, are we still in the first or second edition? <laughs> Which kind of goes hand in hand with social card work and asking, can we even call it the hobby anymore? I think what he is implying is like, you know, now people are building real businesses on it. Is that even a hobby? So yes. take it away, but they're kind of similar and, and intertwined. Okay. So I'm going to take that question. I love it because everybody asks the, the you know, the, uh, and, and it is a great dovetail into the hobby because I'm going to take it a different way. So there are different sections of our hobby slash, um, investment world i mean if you want to call it that right for businesses we are still in that second inning i would say what i mean by that is like your content creation your you know your ai companies you know the 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 things that are going to be improved upon the the rallies the collectibles the fractional share guys the star stocks um you know the the NFT stuff that's going to come out there if you if you if you lump that into a quote hobby right i think that's all in the second inning right because I think that you have so much to go there. Those, those companies are all in beta, basically. Those companies are all, you know, months to a year old. And, you know, there's going to be consolidation in there. And that'll be the third or fourth inning. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that goes on there that changes how we go. As far as pricing of the hobby goes, I think we're beyond that second inning. I don't think it's fair to, you know, to say that we're still so early on. I think we're further along than that. I think, I think the pricing, um, you know, of, of, of most cards got a little ahead of itself. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I think we're, we're, we're probably higher priced than I thought we would be at this point. I, I think I assumed we would get here, but it would be a, a slower 18 month, 24 month climb rather than just a quick, you know, 
two-month climb and now a two-month, you know, receding from those highs already, you know? It's, it's we're, not... We're waiting now. It was supposed to be nine <laughs> game and ended up seven innings. We're, we're waiting for the doubleheader to start up again. But I mean the truth, you know, can you call it a hobby? A hundred percent because there are people in this who just do it for fun and, and you know, you, you, it is a hobby, but it is also a business. And what my thought is that even though it, we might be in the seventh or sixth or fifth inning on pricing, even the eighth, I think what's going to happen is the game's going to change. It's not going to be the game you remember because I think those companies that are only in the second inning, the businesses that are coming in now are going to change how we all collect. Um, maybe it's buying shares of sets, buying shares of that Pokemon set through you know a fractional share thing or you know never actually holding the cards using a vault type service or, or what Starstock is doing, allowing you to A, B, you name it. I think the grading companies are going to get better you know, as more grading you know, companies come in as the volume is there. And, you know, and really the whole answer, so I think we could have like an extended inning game is the point, but the whole answer really depends on um, like everything else, that next level of demand that comes in, right? So I saw a sign today, my brother actually said it to me that Target used to be, hey, you can only buy stuff, um, Pokemon sports cards, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. on Friday morning. And we're going to limit you to like three items or something like that. Today, they put up a sign that said as of April 30th, Every customer is allowed one item per day. So forget about seeing those, you know, hey, how'd I do, you know, pictures on Twitter that make you spit your water out there. How'd I do, uh, you know, uh, I got my, my red uh, target cart filled with blasters, right? It's not going to be that way anymore. And that's important, right? Because, you know, we got to get that next level of people in there, right? We're only going to, you know, continue along and the pricing will continue to go on. If people continue to come into the hobby, people are able to get into it. The kids get into it. And there's people actually able to open up products, you know? So good on target, you know, let's go Walmart. Uh, let's do all that fun stuff too. Um, so anyway, if, if nothing changes, we're like the seventh inning on pricing, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I'm, I don't care. I mean, I think, I think we're in the seventh inning on pricing. What else you got question-wise? Fingers crossed we're going extra innings on this one, then, baby. Level up cards asked. Uh, I'll summarize it. Topps Chrome is obviously the way to go for 90s and 2000 cards. Kobe's and LeBron, for example. is. It, but what do you do when PSA 10 pop count of Topps Chrome is actually double that of the Topps paper? What comes to mind is actually the uh, the Tim Duncan tops paper versus tops chrome. Tops paper has way less pop, and it trades for pennies on the dollar. So it's a great question. Balancing, you do a little scale, right? You're always doing a little balance. Are you gonna dance? You gonna dance? Little shuffle, 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 shuffle. I'm sure to take money and buy boat is what I got from that. No, so it's it's um, a little Gangnam style, or you know, show my age there. So no, so it really is balancing, right? So so I would buy Chrome right now, even if the pop is higher, but it gets to a point where the pop is so much higher on a Chrome than the paper that doesn't make sense. And here's why: what for whatever reason in our hobby right now, Chrome is the one that has the demand, right? And um, I guess it's because of basketball Chrome. You know, baseball is the same kind of thing now. I think it's pushing that way. Um, people want Chrome. And, and if you were to say to, um, I don't know, 100 Kobe buyers, we're going to give you the Chrome or the paper. Which one do you take? 100 of them are going to take the Chrome. Okay? Now, if you change the question to, we're going to give you the Chrome and charge you twice as much as the paper. Maybe 94 of them say, I'll take the Chrome. Now, you change the question and you say, I'm going to give you the Chrome or four papers, at some point it starts to balance out and it, it's a supply and a demand type of thing. So it depends on the card. It depends on the pops that are there. You need to do it. So, so fun, there's no substitute for research. And it's the same as answering this question. Get on the PSA page, look at what the pops are, see how many Chrome there are as opposed to uh, tops. And I would tell you, I would probably buy the Chrome, even if there's two, two and a half, maybe three times as many as the paper because we i think go ahead. we haven't given a shout out to card ladder in a while but i mean we love those guys cage and josh are best buddies i'm a chris chris house of jordan's fan through and through but guys go to excel type in top scroll type in tops at the top put you know 20 dates along the side week by week by week and track the pricing see which direction they're trending 
Uh, all that data is public, right? And you don't even have to wait for it to move forward. You can see what was the price of the Kobe Tops paper in respect for the Kobe Tops Chrome on the week of December 20th of 2020, then the week of December 27th, 2020, then the week of January 4th, 2021. And just track it, right? That data is out there. I mean, that's literally what Card Ladder does. Alt is another great tool, onlyalt.com. Uh, sign up, let us know if you're on the wait list. We'll get you off the wait list. There's this data out there, it just takes a little bit of kind of curating it so that you can see, oh, yes, the tops paper is trading for 10%, but it used to trade for 15% and it's trending, trending up. That's how I would go about it. You're great. Yeah, I gave those guys a little shout out on one of my most recent cardboard relevance. Because yeah, I mean, you got to find that data. There's no shortage of data out there. You just got to put in the work. Um, Bronze testicle. That's right. That's, is that what it's called, right? The people who love LeBron, right? That's what you tell me all the time, right? It's I that's it, Anthony. You got to be careful with that one one, the bronze, the bronze testicle one, right? Sorry, because he wants us to be in the bottom of the third. Sorry, thank you for your nice comments. Sorry, loved um, my island vibes play for the <laughs> Bob Marley card. Uh, but people call me about that. My brother called me. He's like, hey, did you, my brother called me. And he's like, did you did you buy a box of those, uh, those uh, Bob Marley cards? I'm like, no. It's kind of hilarious. I mean, you get it's like 16, 17 bucks and you get Bob Marley cards. Everyone listened to Bob Marley in their college days. So uh, if nothing else, I gave people a bit of nostalgia. Like PS and Goat asks, and this might be a question for Gavin. If you guys don't remember Gavin's uh, TikTok video, the Lucas Silver Prism 9. Uh, Better investment for Prism Cage, the base PSA 10 or the silver PSA 9. They seem to trade in a similar price point. What is the greater appeal, silver or 10? I think the silver is a bit more expensive in, in some, some If it's simply for reselling, most of the people, I would say, go with the silver PSA 9 um, rather than a base PSA 10. Um, that's usually going to be um, the one that's going to net you more money. But they're close. I mean, it comes down to personal preference, right? I mean, if it's for your own collection. I don't like having nines in my PC. I am that snob. So he gives know, them if, to Ian. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I give them to Ian. He gets so mad at me. He's like, don't give your son the nines. Give him the tens. I'm like, nah. You know, like it's just, I don't know. What's going to do with the tens? He has plenty of tens. But for me, you know, he does, does he? He gets he plenty has, of tens. He has plenty of tens. So, uh, yeah, he is. There he is. You know, but so uh, just for me, I mean, you know, if I had if I had a nine, I would probably sell a silver nine and color up to, to whatever I need to get the ten. You know what I mean? So that's just that's just me. Um, you know, so but price wise, usually that's silver nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's, um, I love that Yim is holding a tennis card. Yim is holding that tennis card early, and then everyone Yim is the true influencer. Is that is that that's Fed? That's Fed. So he said. Yam is watching us while he scratches Tomy cards right now. I say it all the time. That's yeah, it's a Yam joke, guys. It's because that's the the Tomy scratch Pokemon. So I'll give Yam a, a little bit of credit here. And if you guys don't follow him, give him a follow. He is a genius at like archaeological digs of obscure cards that will somehow gain some favor. Whether it's your tennis stuff, whether it's a, an unknown uh, Pokemon card, a wrestling card, you name it. The guy seems to find those hidden gem type of cards and it's pretty awesome and what i love what he's doing here with this question is everybody asks what inning it is you know maybe we should change it to bowling i like it 10 frames right before we start up a new game and roll again so that that's that's you're right right and and that was kind of the point i was trying to make we might be in the seventh inning of the game but i think with all of the money all of the people all of the businesses all the content creators all of the stuff that's going on in the hobby it may be a double header man you know, I mean, to use another one of those, you know, phrases. I mean, the game just may be one of those, you know, never-ending games that just keeps getting played over and over again, right? Because it's changing. But you don't and, want to blow out your pitcher's arm in the first game. Oh, you want to blow your chips. At, bullpen has like 50 guys in it now. But, I mean, like, think about it. Just take it a different way, right? If you include some of the stuff that's going on in the hobby as far as, like, between content for the hobby and, and investments for the hobby – Think if, if you and I went back to six months ago when we started, were we talking about Top Shot? Were we on Clubhouse, like for the hobby? I mean, like just, you know, all these fractional companies, hybrid grading kind of just coming out three months ago. I mean, think of all the things that have just happened in the last quarter, right? So what's the next quarter bring? So many things that we, we're not talking about now because they haven't even happened. 
And when That's stuff right. like that is going on in the hobby, you got people coming in, business coming in, that kind of money coming in, institutional investment coming in, um, you know, the game will be extended. Um, and as long as you have, you know, people coming in with demand, the pricing should be fine. What does and what does CG go ahead? God, you know, I, said, I, I like Anthony Martirano. That's nice. He's, he's in the live and asking questions. Fire away, Anthony. What does CGC have to do other than continue crushing turnarounds to start commanding better prices? Not K, not cash PSA, but close the gap. Okay, so other than me, maybe a couple of other people out there, um, you know, being a jerk in the hobby doesn't seem to really carry much favor for people. You're um, not a but hopefully people realize I'm doing it because, you know, I'm a lovable teddy bear. You know, I mean, I try to do it. So the first thing I would do if I were SGC is I would own my stuff. I realize that I am a distant second, third, fourth, fifth in the grading world, right? And I would stop with the social media. SGC, I hope you're listening. Message me. I'll give you some ideas. Um, because whatever. CGC. Uh, SGC. So whatever. We know you so whatever whatever fraternity house you have running your social media, you know you should probably take their thumbs off of their you know their flip phone, um, and stop with the whole like uh, you know oh uh, you know backlogs or for losers. You know I mean like come on now what what does that do? You know it makes you kind of like a joke to to people who realize what's actually going on in, in the hobby. So that's first and foremost what I would change. Um, you know beyond that, you got to focus on what you're good at. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, what's the old, the old song, right? It's like accentuate the positives, I think they say, right? So their slabs, they look cool. You know, that okay. black border on those slabs, right? I, I think, you know, for the right kind of cards and whatnot, they look really cool. And they should really play that stuff up. Not to mention, right, you know, if I were with any grade, people do things good. You know, so, so SGC should look at the, young, the, the, the newcomers that come in like hybrid. I, I mean, we're going to go right on them again, right? Look at the case. Look at what they do. Look at how they promise something and deliver it, right? The grading company that's able to do that, we understand the volume is nuts, right? We understand everybody wants everything, but they want it now, right? But what, what Hybrid has done, at least in, in from what I've watched, is they're delivering, right? You make a promise, you deliver on it, right? That is huge, right? Talk about credibility, right? It's kind of what we try to do, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we, we promise it, we deliver. We say we're going to show up every day. It's almost a year later, and we haven't missed an episode. It's a matter if it's Easter, or Thanksgiving, or Christmas. We told you we're going to come and chat with you. Yeah, please. We also yeah. let you guys know that we show up every day, and that's a big part. So, Michael Ovitz once showed up to uh, ask Gary V, and this one left an impression with me because I went and bought his book after this. And Michael Ovitz, if you guys don't know, he's uh, he started CAA. He was an agent, talent agent, and he talks a lot about this concept called packaging. So I want you to picture, you know. Christmas morning, you get up, your kids get up, and you have all of these amazing presents. You spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on presents, beautiful gifts, but they're packaged like shit. What's the kid gonna think, right? A big part is not necessarily like you say here, you know, st continue crushing turnaround times. That's just part of the puzzle. That's just part of it. You have to let people know that you're gonna crush uh, turnaround times. You have to present yourself the right way. You have to story tell the right way. And and that's, in my opinion, what they do really poorly. It's not that they turn things around timely. It's how they present themselves to the hobby. Uh, the arrogance, the poor marketing, uh, all of that. That's where I go with it. I think that that's a big deal. I think people don't realize a lot of the times how important packaging is. They think about the product, but now how they present it to the world. There you go, SGC. Hire Andrew. He'll help you out. Dude, I would love to. I, you don't have to hire me. I, I love consulting. I, hire me. I actually want more money. <laughs> yeah. I know. I either do it for free or for full price. Yeah, like, like Jameson. See? See? And right now, free off the table. So <laughs> He's got a lot of quotable stuff, our friend Blake. Fantomas. Fantomas for cards asks, where are you getting a better price? eBay auction or best offer? Depends on the card. Depends how liquid the card is, right? If it's something that's not that liquid, it's something that's 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 you know you don't see that often. It's something that you know is not highly contested and it's not going to be bid on at the end. An eBay auction, you might be able to come in and steal it because there's not a lot of people going after it, right? Um, something where you know it's it's a hot card of the week, it's a new release, and everybody's watching it. It's on the watch list. You name it. Um, 
I would say try to make an offer on somebody who has one, you know, and they're watching the auctions and they're trying to undercut the auction just to take a quick one. Best offer is the way to go. A little inside baseball on this one, as I like to say, is check how many people are watching the auction. The more people who are watching it, the the better chance that you're going to get sniped at the end. There's going to be people who are watching it and bidding at the end. If it's an auction, though, that's not being watched by as many people, you got a better chance of maybe coming in and, and, and stealing it at the end. Sorry, says neither off-platform sales <laughs> for basically every eBay purchase I've made since August. Sorry. Listen, I, think- you're, I, I, I agree with that also. Uh, but sometimes cards, you're only able to get them on eBay. You know, that's that's the deal. Sorry, sells. I love it. What's your favorite Joe Ingles card? Can I, can I touch on this? I don't have a favorite Joe Ingles card, but I love the way the guy plays. I think he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. Charles Logan. So, Charles, I love the, the Australian buddy. Yes, I love the picture. Charles has, I can't wait for them to come back, man. But obviously, with Willy Wonka closing down the factory, you know, we got a lot of cars in with the Luca Nation subs. Charles has some of these really cool, um, you know, basketball stickers. Um, you know, he sent them over, and I can't wait to see what those look like slabbed. Um, Joe Ingles, why do people hate on Ingles? I mean, he's clearly not cardboard relevant, but he's a good player. He's really good. I think he's incredibly underrated, and he's a lefty. So, Anthony, if you know me, read this question out, Cage. I think that – do you think I already emailed him? You guys should try and get SGC CEO on. He's a young guy, needs some guidance. So, here, Anthony. So, so think about what we've done in the last couple of weeks, right? So, we had PSA, Hybrid, and CGC, CSG, you know, they're, they're their parent company and the whole deal. We had all of them on after PSA closed, right? So, we had PSA on, right? So, so you know Andrew reached out to all of them. Grading was the topic du jour of the last couple of weeks. So you know if they wanted to come on, they had an opportunity to come on. Some people do not want to step in the cage. That's <laughs> <laughs> just the way it works, Anthony. I'm sorry. It's not for lack of trying. Yeah, Max, I totally agree. Uh, the Ovid's book is a banger. Fascinating life and learnings. Guys, if, if for context, I don't know if you guys out there watched Entourage. It was one of my favorite shows. He's the Ari Gold. Michael Ovitz is the Ari Gold of the actual real world. Ari Gold, just a made-up character. But So, I mean, a lot of people would also say that um, Ari Emanuel, Ron Emanuel's brother, was the Ari Gold and not Michael Ovitz. But it's okay. I mean, Genghis Khan, Kankashan, you know, Barca, Barca, they're all the same thing. You know, it is what it is. So The, the go- was based on Ron Emanuel, sure, but to give you guys Ron's kind of like brother. Ori yeah, Gold would be like an Ovitz. So let an me agent. ask you, because it's a good topic. It's it will ask coffee kombucha with, with Andrew. If you were a character, and I'm gonna say you're Johnny Drama, but you're gonna be mad at me. If you were a character in Entourage, who would you be? Well, I, w- I want to be Ari Gold. You know I want to be Ari Gold, but I, I think I'm a, I'm closer to an E. I think I'm closer to an E. Like uh I'm a ride or die, man. And I I, I want my I want my team, I want my talent, I want my friends to win as much as I do. Uh, I'd like to be in the spotlight. Sloan, Sloan and I are going steady. Life is nice. good. Um, I, I'm turtle. I'm turtle every single day. I'll drive you know the car. With him? You know, he's yeah, no, okay, so Jerry Ferrara. Yeah, he's awesome. Love him. But yeah, I will. I would. I'll take Johnny Drama. I, I do Johnny Drama. Victory! I'll do it. No problem. Let's go. Who's next? Yam. Even Yam. Yam. Don't pretend like you know how to read. Maybe it was your wording. Sh- sure. I, I agree. It was my email. <laughs> Anthony, I love it. And and you know what? Copy and paste that and put it in your next email. You should write that to anybody. Turtle does bat way above his average gate. <laughs> All right, last one. Are you buying UFC when it releases? Blow it. Blowout has it pre-order at a thousand a box. Tito, whoever does your shape up, whoever does your haircut, on point. On Tito. point. This is this is gonna be my new favorite question because I will I'm gonna record tomorrow's cardboard relevance on this exact topic, right? So so you ready for this? Don't blame Panini. I just <laughs> learned this. I just learned this this week, right? So so the cost from Panini on UFC Prism, and this is gonna to apply to football prism, basketball prism, but I know specifically for UFC Prism, is less than two hundred and fifty dollars a box. It may even be less than two hundred dollars a box. All right. So it is not Panini's fault, and most likely it is not your LCS's fault that you're going to have to pay $1,000 a box. It is the distributor, okay? People are making money in this game here. 
people are making money in in the hobby because there is demand for it and the best ex, the best way to, sh- to to look at this is try to buy a a panini baseball box from your lcs the price is going to be significantly less even if it's national treasures than the other sports because it's not licensed and when it's not licensed panini's pretty much charging the same price for those things but the distributors or not blowing the price up to your LCS, and then your LCS is not adding on, you name it, to get to that $1,000. Blowout is not paying anywhere near a $1,000 box from Panini. Definitely not. And if they're getting it distributor-wise, then it's being marked up. And I'll tell you this, and, and guys, please don't take it out on me. I have been buying cards from my local card store for decades and, and ufc especially i mean i opened ufc cards in 09 10 and i'm buying cases cases where nobody was buying this stuff i buy soccer from him i buy you know women's wrestling stuff I, I try to help him out because he has to buy certain things from top so i'm giving that as background i'm getting a box tito of ufc prism this week when it releases and anybody want to guess i wish i don't know how to get live you get everybody kind of like hey, can you see the live chat i can't so you see the live chat I want everybody to guess how much I'm paying. So this is after Panini charges my LCS and after my LCS is going to charge me. How much is he charging me for a box of UFC Prism? Any guesses coming out? $888. $888. What else? So that would be great like because it's an octagon. So it's nice. Eight. I like that like the number. Anybody else guessing? $777. $777, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. So, so I am paying $250. Directly from my car store, two five zero, two hundred fifty dollars. But that's so because that, of the relationship you have with him. How you always show up when he needs to clear out inventory. You have cash, so it's a but relationship. He's not. He's not losing money on it. He's still making money. So what that means is that's the one box he got allotted from Panini. Seriously, so that's his direct to store box. So what's different there is the middleman. The middleman is cut out. If he were getting it from the distributor, the distributor would be charging him 700, 800, and he'd be marking it up. The distributor charged him 600. So that is what's broken right now in what we're doing. And I don't even want to blame the distributor, right? Because that is, it's part of the cycle, right? Like they need to make their money and they're going to price it at whatever the market will bear, right? And maybe if UFC Prison comes out, people don't buy it at a thousand, it'll come down and that'll reset the price. Trust me, the same thing happens with football. The same thing happens with basketball. There is that middleman that's marking that price up. I'm telling you, Andrew, I'm going to have a box. I'll open it. Maybe we can open it live, you know, all the way to the end. And I'm paying $250 for the box. So it's not Panini. It's the middleman. And we've talked about middlemen in the hobby before. We've talked about PayPal. We've talked about it at length. A big part of blockchain is getting eliminating the middleman. This has been fun. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'll read you guys my uh, my email to SGC. So I sent this to them on April 8th. So Andy was someone that I met at a show last January or February it was. And <coughs> they were so adamant that they were uh, going to change the hobby. They were so adamant at the show. I will never forget it. They were like, I'm a sales guy at heart. And these guys are good sales pitch. So I was like, Hey, Andy, since we last spoke, a lot has happened in the hobby. Lots of companies making moves, and I wanted to reach out and see if Peter Steinberg would be interested in joining us for a guest episode to share what's going on and possibly take advantage of the PSA shutdown opportunity. We're at over 15K listens weekly, and I know our community would be excited to hear from your team. Would love to have a conversation and learn from you guys and possibly create a Luca Nation submission partnership to send business your way. Best regard, Andrew. Look at you, no secrets. You read the whole email. You got nothing, you got nothing, nothing, nothing to hide. And with that, what was, was the response? Crickets? Or did they write back to you and say, sorry, bro, we, we're on our way to the weight room right now and backlog suck. We're going to go work out. We'll get back to you after we work Crickets. out. Crickets. Crickets. Uh, and most people respond, especially in the hobby. Especially with like, this is a value add. I mean, there's not much to them. They just have to show up for an hour and talk. But uh, it's all good. And um the reason I read that is because the art community also, you know, they have their own shows, their own business. It's taken me 15 years to learn how to write a good email. I, I really believe that. I think writing a good email, good communication is important. So they can take that to the bank. Flip phone marketing 101. <laughs> Flip phone. That's it. I love it. 
Lucky Logan. You're so much fun. I, I don't know if you feel this cage too. Like when we have the live and we have the comments, it's a little bit like it kind of like it's more engaging than just the typical episode. So I really enjoy these. Yep. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate all the questions, all the comments.